0: There's really no way to overstate the importance of the gospel message. Uh, the gospel, certainly, but even the way it's presented, uh, the idea of recognizing the sufficiency of what Christ has accomplished on the cross and the fact that it is through that uh, that sacrifice on his beh- on, on His part, on our behalf, um, that is the completely and only uh, sufficient thing to take care of our sin. It's while we're yet sinners that Christ died for the ungodly, not for those who were uh, generally in pretty good shape, but just need a little nudge in the right direction or anything like that, but those who were completely destitute and hopeless apart from uh, apart from him. And so the gospel message, therefore, because this is true, the gospel messages, uh, how it's presented uh, is so important. Um, it's important that when we present the gospel that we do so in such a way as to not leave it, uh, not leave it in any way confusing about those facts that I just mentioned, uh, there is nothing there that um, that is left for man to do. There's nothing that is yet required uh, after belief for a person, or in addition to belief, that is required of a person to do in order to be saved. It is by faith, by the grace of God, received through faith, uh, that we are ultimately saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 um, there is no other way to, to achieve a level of righteousness that will earn us a place at the table, as it were. If there were, Christ's death was, was not needed in that, and again, Galatians 2.20 uh, and uh, 2.20. And so, you know, when we talk about the gospel, uh, it is important that we don't present it in such a way as, as to leave it seem as though man has somehow done something that has earned him uh, his salvation. This is entirely the merits of Christ that are in view and so we talk about the cross, the preaching of the cross, that which is actually foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. The cross, that place where Jesus took our sin upon himself and ultimately died for that sin, for all sin, past, present, and future. Um, the cross is the means through which he ultimately paid that debt. As a matter of fact, the word "telestai," that Greek uh, term that is Uh, what gives us our english translation it is finished Uh, just as accurately can be translated paid in full in colossians chapter 2 paul talks about how christ took the handwriting of transgressions that was against us and he took it out of the way having nailed it to the cross Um, this is that that list of all of our guilt all of our shame all of our sin and offense to god all these things ultimately were taken and, and brought to the cross and paid for, uh, it is a transaction unlike any other, and it is complete and thorough in its accomplishment. There's nothing left. And therefore, Jesus could say, it is finished. Uh, matter of fact, a good friend often shared this analogy about, and I've kind of adopted it as the one I tend to use the most. Um, but it's like having your mortgage. You know, once that last mortgage payment is paid, There's nothing left to pay. You don't keep making the mortgage payment because there's nothing left to pay. Well, imagine Jesus taking that debt, not just your mortgage, but all of your sin debt, and having taken it upon himself at the cross and paid for it and saying it is paid in full. Well, what is there left for you to pay for? Well, nothing. It's already paid in full. And so, therefore, there is nothing left uh, for us to pay. It is finished. It is complete. It is paid in full. Now, this is, of course, you know... uh, Uh, the transactional message of the cross and that our debt was paid. and He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the beauty of the cross, but it's not just the cross that we preach. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4, Paul talks about how he is reminding the Corinthians, this very, very carnal church uh, that is saved by the grace of God. And in Desperate need of growing in sanctification, but they are saved by the grace of God, and it's based on this gospel message that Paul reminds them of in verses three and four, that Christ died and was buried according to the Scriptures. So he rose again according to the Scriptures. Uh, this is something that has always been the plan of God, uh, seeded throughout the Old Testament in uh, in, in various uh, various degrees of of, of clarity in that. But ultimately, when we look back on the Old Testament, in light of the fulfilling in the New Testament, we understand just how prevalent throughout the scriptures this message of this Redeemer who would come. Literally, from Genesis chapter 3, no sooner had man sinned than God had put into action his plan of redemption, which involved a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, as I would say in Revelation. This idea that Christ has His going to the cross has always been God's purpose uh, as means of ultimately bringing redemption uh, to man and so it is the cross and then also the resurrection Uh, it is uh, the fact that Jesus didn't just die but that he conquered death he didn't just get put into the grave but he rose from the grave he lives forevermore not just spiritually but bodily in other words he literally conquered death in his sinless nature, as God in the flesh in the incarnation, he comes and he goes to the cross, and he who was sinless again took our sin upon himself, and paid for it, and conquered death by rising uh, from the dead. As a matter of fact, in First Corinthians 15, Paul speaks of this gospel message in chapters in verses three and four, but the entire rest of the chapter has to do with both the the, the importance of the evidence for and even the ultimate result of the resurrection of Christ. Uh, it is borne witness to by many witnesses who saw him, even 500 at one time, including Paul even himself, who saw him uh, as as the uh, probably the greatest foe of the Christian faith in its earliest years, ultimately becomes its greatest evangelist and apologist. And so um, we have evidence for it. We also have the implications of it. He would say that if in this life only, uh, we have hope in Christ, we are of, m- of all men the most pitiable. Why? Because if Christ is not risen from the dead, then why are we giving up everything to follow him? If there is in fact no redemption because he did not rise from the dead, then why not just eat, drink and be merry? Why not just, well, as he would say, why not just eat and be merry for tomorrow we die? Uh, but this is where we get that concept of eat, drink and be merry. The idea that, well, why not? If there's nothing, if there's no redemption, we're still dead in our sin, there is no hope for us beyond the grave. Then why not just live this life to the fullest without reservation but the fact is as he goes on to say uh, but we but christ is risen from the dead has become the first fruits of them that have fallen asleep and so we recognize that there is in fact hope beyond the grave and the reason we know this is because christ is risen and so the cross and the resurrection comprise the total gospel message it's not just the cross It's the cross and the resurrection. If there were no resurrection, we would have no way of knowing for sure that Jesus actually did pay the debt. But it's because death could not hold him down that ultimately we see that because he lives, we ultimately stand now justified in Christ before the Father and we have hope even beyond the grave. And so knowing this message leads to some very significant implications in regard to how we present it since it is finished since we have been reconciled to him what remains what remains well the only thing that that remains is to receive it to believe receiving doesn't mean doing some some incredible work as a matter of fact faith itself is not a work Uh, paul speaks about this in uh, romans chapter four when he says blessed is the one who uh, uh the one who believes but has not works is still justified Blessed is the one to whom the Lord does not impute sin. In other words, because of what Christ has done, the sin issue has been dealt with. All that remains is for us to receive that grace and forgiveness that has already been purchased and accomplished at the cross all those years ago. And so when we present the gospel, it's important for us to present it in that light and in that way to make sure that people don't think that there's something I still need to do either to gain or earn my salvation, or even beyond that point to hold on to our salvation. If it is finished, then that means it is done. There is nothing left. And so when we present the gospel, it's important that we present it that way. And one of the reasons why that's so important, uh, let me just give two reasons why that's so important. One is because it's important that we just share the gospel clearly, that we make sure it's understood, that we make sure that we don't misrepresent the finished work of Christ as though it were not finished. If there is something left to do, then we are saying that the gospel is not finished. Uh, Jesus said it was. So that's one plain, simple reason why we wanna make sure that we present the gospel uh, in in a way that we understand that we have been reconciled in Christ. The ledger has been balanced, The, the, the debt has been paid. and So therefore, there is no more balance to be paid, as it were, if I can speak in sort of human terms that way. The other reason why, and it's connected with the first reason, is because when we misrepresent the gospel and make it seem like there's still something left for someone to do, then we leave them invariably, I shouldn't say invariably, I guess it depends on the person's personality, but we leave so many carrying still this weight and burden that they have still something yet to do. Um, There are many, and I know some personally, who love the Lord and are, are born again, but yet they still live with a measure of condemnation because they feel like somehow they're not living up to something um it's kind of like the purse the story of the person who came up to the pastor after hearing the message and said you know pastor help me to know that i'm nothing and uh, the pastor responded and said well you are nothing take it by faith you know there's the sooner we recognize that we're completely unworthy and also completely inadequate when it comes to participating at all in our salvation outside of the simple receiving of, of, of uh, God's grace by faith, uh, we're completely incapable of doing or earning anything in this thing. The sooner we come to that place and really understand that, I mean, truly get the idea that we can't bring anything to the table, we're incapable of it, the sooner we are able to understand and fully embrace uh, meaningfully, richly, uh, what the grace of God is truly all about. If there's still something left over that we feel we have to do, then it's really no longer grace. And we ultimately live under the condemnation that we've not stacked up somehow. And so the idea of being reconciled to God means that it's finished now, it's done. And that's an important, inex- inexplicable, like inexhaustibly important uh, truth to make sure that we convey correctly. Because we want to make sure that we don't leave people with the impression that somehow Uh, if they don't do something, that they're not going to be right with God. And so, um, again, the gospel message, this is a simple truth in many respects, but it is one that so often is uh, not truly embraced by many because there is this blending together of some work that we have to do. Um, There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We know that passage, but we sometimes forget that it's connected To Paul's own description of his own wrestlings with the flesh. Uh, The things that I know that I should do and want to do, I find I don't have the strength to do, but the things that I don't want to do, these I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Not wretched man that I was, wretched man that I am. In other words, Paul fully recognized his incapacity when it came to Uh, being right before God in his own strength. Even now as a believer, 25 to 30 years into his Christian life, he transparently speaks of the idea that he still wrestles with the flesh. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. In other words, what's the answer? God delivers me. Now, this is true positionally. Okay, And this is what we've been talking about to this point positionally we are free in christ we are free from condemnation we are free from judgment we are free from that which we actually deserve and instead we've been given that's in god's mercy and in god's grace we've now been given uh things that we don't even deserve we've been given such richness of blessing and fullness because of the offering and sacrifice the finished work of christ uh, but not only that but paul says who will deliver me from this body of death you may not at first realize it but but much like Paul talks about in First Corinthians again, 15, verses 50 through 58, Paul speaks of one of the implications of the resurrection, Jesus conquering death bodily, is that one day we too will receive glorified bodies like his glorified body. Uh, they will no longer, now of course Jesus never had a sin nature, but we do have a sin nature and that will be abolished in our glorified bodies. There will be no wrestling with sin anymore. There will be no more Um, dealing with uh, the flesh and having to fight against these temptations and and inward lusts and, and, and struggles to just sort of walk in purity in this kind of thing. We have a new nature that allows us to continue to fight against the flesh. But one day we will no longer have that sin nature. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God in Christ Jesus my Lord who died and rose from the dead in glorification and one day too we will be glorified as well. It is The resurrection is such a central feature of the gospel message right alongside uh, and in direct connection to the cross. It's not just the cross, but the cross and the resurrection, and that makes all the difference in the world. Because he lives, so too shall we live, and not only live in just the sense we're used to now, but in full glorification, free of a sin nature, because it is ultimately and will ultimately in that day have been put down completely to be seen no more. So the gospel message, again, there's, there's nothing more important uh, than, than the clarity of sharing that gospel message, uh, where we understand that this is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any should boast or claim some part that they played in it. Uh, God called us and we answered him. He gave us this opportunity and said, please come and we responded. But that faith that we exercise is not a work, as Paul says. It is just simply our responding to the good news. And so praise the Lord for this. And when we share the gospel with our friends or in a, you know, on a video or whether we're in, at work and we're, uh, or our family or anything like this, wherever an opportunity comes up and we share it, this is the liberating, beautiful message that we can share with them. Did you know that Jesus died for all of your sins? You may feel like a wretch. You may feel like you could never stack up and and, and, and be right with God based on what you do. You feel like you could never be good enough to please God. I've got good news for you, you can't. But ultimately Jesus came and took all of that, all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame, everything that you are feeling is the barrier between you and God. You know what, it is, but Jesus took it out of the way. And now by faith, by trusting in Him, the Son of God, God Himself in the flesh, in the Incarnation, came and took care of your debt and set you free. Uh, This is the beautiful liberating message of the gospel. So, again, I think when we talk about the good news, we want to make sure that we don't diminish it from being the fully good news that it is. Uh, He is alive, and because He lives, we too shall live. And the reason we can is because He took it all upon Himself. Father, we thank you and praise you for the Gospel. We thank you that you, in Christ, have taken away all of our sin, past, present, and future, and have washed us clean. No longer do we stand in your sight as those who are condemned, but we are now uncondemned, because Jesus took all of our condemnation upon himself, and he paid for it when he died on the cross. We thank you that he rose from the dead, and because he did, we know too that we shall live, that we will live one day in your presence, not only in some uh, theoretical sense, but even bodily, will stand before you in glorified bodies that are fit for us by you. Jesus has gone and prepared this place for us that where he is, we too might also be. And so we thank you for all that this means. We thank you that one day we will no longer wrestle uh, against the flesh. We will no longer have to deal with uh, uh, the the earthly lusts and passions that we so often have to battle against, even in including our own pride. One day these things will all be dealt with in, in, in full we thank you that as far as our standing though even right now as we wrestle we do so outside of your condemnation we recognize that the answer to paul's question who will deliver me from this body of death his answer is the same as our answer that we too can thank god in christ jesus our lord so we praise you and bless you for this and father if there are any watching this video uh, or listening to it right now and they realize that they need to be saved. They need Jesus and the offering that he made on our behalf. They need to receive that and become part of the family of God, ultimately receiving your grace and your forgiveness. We just pray that, Lord, they would pray right now and receive you and not wait another moment. If that's you, pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace toward me. I thank you that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly just like me. And I thank you that by putting my trust in him, and this is the only way, but by putting my trust in him, I can be set free from the penalty of all my sin. And so I thank you for his offering on my behalf. I thank you that he died and rose again and he ever lives. I thank you for him and I put my trust in him now. I believe that he is God incarnate who took my sin upon himself. And I do pray now, having put my trust in him, that you would help me to live in the confidence of knowing that I will see you face to face, unafraid and unashamed. I pray that the Holy Spirit would change me from the inside out, even as Paul said that I would be a new creation in Christ Jesus, where the old things day after day would continue to pass away and all things would become new. I thank you for your love for me and your grace toward me. I thank you that you took all of my sin, Jesus, upon yourself and have set me free. So Father, thank you. I praise you and bless you for your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good for us to come back to the gospel from time to time. Because you know, Spurgeon was once asked, you know, why do you share the gospel with us every week? And he said, Well, because every week you forget it. And I think sometimes it's it's natural for us to sort of fall back into this sense of, of I need to do this for God in order to be right with him. You know, good works that we do. And Jesus said, these things are like a light that shines for the world to see and give glory to our Father in heaven. Paul talked about good works as being those things that we do as a result of our salvation, not as a means of earning it. And so grace is something that we receive for free and grace is something that ultimately works in us to make us more and more like Jesus. And of course that naturally does produce fruit, but we never want to get the order mixed up where we think that it's producing fruit that ultimately earns us salvation. Uh, that's not a liberating message. That's actually right where we all are before we're saved. Now that we are saved, we understand that it is all by him. And so when he begins to work in us and make us more and more like Jesus, this becomes the opportunity for him to do great things in us, making us not, changing us, I should say, from what we once were into what he ultimately wants us to be. But this is by his hand and it's glorious. It's wonderful and it's beautiful and we praise him for it. So thanks for watching and listening. If you have any thoughts or questions, you're welcome to share them on our comment section or if you want to email me at info at pastor brian uh, i'm sorry info at calvary chapel franklin.com or by the info at calvary chapel franklin.com uh you can go ahead and do that and be glad to connect with you and um, and until next time you know may the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you and give you peace forever amen we'll see you next time